from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. And hello and welcome to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. I'm Mike Salmon, alongside Victoria Collier, the star of the show. And Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading age boomers and seniors addressing the issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. And today, Victoria, we're going to be discussing the probate process and how to avoid it. So the very first question before we even go into that is, what's the probate process? Good question, Mike, and thank you um, for the introduction. So the probate process is a process that happens when people die. And I'll get more specific than that in a second. Um, but by and large, you'll hear out there a lot that people want to avoid probate, but they don't really even understand what that means. Um, one, they don't understand what it means to avoid it or even what it is. Right. So I would like to talk about that. When people die and they own individually held assets, which means they don't have a co-owner on them, and it also means they didn't, like a joint owner, like on a bank account. Okay. Also, they don't have what's called a named beneficiary. Like life insurance, often you'll name a beneficiary. Or retirement funds, you'll name a beneficiary. That's called payable on death or transfer on death accounts but if you just own an asset by yourself without those beneficiaries then your estate when you die must go through probate there's no alternative when you own individually held assets so let's use an example if i own a house and it's just in my name and the deed says victoria collier owns this house and that's it mm -hmm. then when I die someone has to go and file a petition paperwork with the county court where I owned that house when I died or where I was a resident when I died because without that paper being filed with the court no one has the legal authority to be able to manage that house for me so they can't sell it they don't have access to my bank accounts to pay my mortgage if I have one. Um, they can't even maintain the house, even if they don't want to sell it. And they certainly can't transfer it to whoever I want it to go to. And so it's the legal process called probate that gives them that authority. Now, we'll hear all the time, but I have a will. I thought I was taken care of. Right. Right? And so having a will is great. And the difference between having a will and not having a will doesn't have anything to do with probate as to whether or not you have to do it. What makes the difference between having a will and not having a will is how your process through probate goes. And it goes smoother when you have one versus not having one. As an example, when you have a will, you get to name who that person is that's going to court to manage your affairs for you. So if I have three kids and one of them can't manage their own bank account, I don't want them to be the one who goes. If I have one that is in England, it wouldn't be as easy for right. that one to go. 
So I get to choose who that is. Maybe it's not any of my kids. Maybe it's my best friend or my lawyer or whomever. Um, but I get that choice. Whereas if I don't have a will, the court gets to make that choice. And usually it's the first one who rushes up to the courthouse to do it. So it could be that child who can't manage finances and needs access to mine as soon as possible, right? Right. Um, so the court controls that process, whereas if I have a will, I get to control that process. And when you say court, do you mean probate? The probate court, okay. correct. And the other two things that are a major difference between having a will and not having a will, as it means going through the probate process, is that I get to choose my person, but also I, in my will, get to waive certain actions, which means saving costs through the process and saving delay through the process. Whereas if I don't have a will, you're gonna be subject to all costs and there can be a delay, of course. Um, the third and most important is that in my will, I get to decide who gets my stuff and on what terms. Not the court. Not the court. And so I get to say if I wanted to, for example, go to my three kids and maybe I want one of them to get it outright. Mm -hmm. Means I just hand them the money at death, right? But the other one might have had a bankruptcy and they're still tied in that and I don't want my money to go to pay off their debts. I want them to get the benefit of my money but not to pay off their debts. So my will might actually have what's called a credit protection trust for that child until their bankruptcy is all done and then they get it. I have another child that is eh, always on the brink of divorce. Well, I don't want my money to go to her ex if they ever get divorced. So I want to put it in such a way that she would benefit from it, but it not be subject to divorce. When you die without a will, you don't have all that discretion. It just goes to those people, and then it could go to their creditors, it could go to their exes, it can do all that kind of stuff. Um, and it might not even go to the people you think it should go to. Let's use an example, Prince the artist formerly known as Prince, the one who died known as Prince. Um, <laughs> and his estate was somewhere between 100 million to 300 million. And just putting that aside for a second, um, he did not have a will. And people believe they know where their stuff would go, even without a will. It would go to your heirs at law, okay? So we think about who are our heirs at law? Well, in Georgia, I'll ask you this question, Mike, because I always ask the people in the audience, if you're married and you have kids and you own everything individually, you die, who gets your stuff without a will? You died without a will. Right. Who would get your stuff? I would think my spouse and or my kids. Okay. So you said, and or my kids. No, you got to give me an answer. Who gets it when you die? Probably need to tell you exactly who and exactly <laughs> what they get, don't I? Is that, is that what you're looking for? The, well, the, the answer is you don't know, yeah. and most people don't. But many people will tell me, well, it goes to my spouse. And if my spouse isn't alive, then to my kids, right. not the and or. Um, but that's okay. Well, and it's wrong. When you die in Georgia and you have a spouse and kids, it will go to the spouse and kids. Depending on how many kids you have will depend on the proportion that the spouse gets. So, for example, if you have a spouse and one kid, they will split 50-50. If you have a spouse and 
two or more children, the spouse gets no less than one-third and all the children share the other two-thirds. That can be very problematic, specifically if your children are minors and they can't receive money. And then that's all tied up in the court system until they're 18 years old. And then at 18, it's just they're handed a check as if they can manage it. Is, is a will enough these days? A will is and can be enough for many people. But without knowing what assets somebody owns, without knowing what their goals are, a will may not be enough. And sometimes people do need trusts for their particular situation. And there are ways to avoid probate, and a trust is one of those ways to avoid probate. And so if someone came to me and said, I want to avoid probate, then I would say, well, let's talk about the different ways to avoid probate. So we can do that now here, because a trust is only one way. Um, so the primary way to avoid probate would be to have named beneficiaries. So on those life insurance policies, retirement funds, CDs, annuities, investment accounts. You can have a beneficiary form where you say who you want to receive that asset, okay? Now, people don't generally do that on all assets, like the house, for right. example. So, you know, when they try to avoid lawyers, you find situations where you have a hodgepodge estate plan, right? Um, so joint ownership isn't always the best way to avoid probate because it only avoids probate on those assets that are joint. Another way to avoid probate, I'm sorry, we didn't even talk about the joint assets yet. That was named beneficiaries, is that you don't always name beneficiaries on every asset. Mm -hmm. So it would avoid probate on those that you did, but not on the ones you didn't. And you mentioned a house. We're also talking cars. Cars. Furniture. Exactly. Right, and that's personal property that you can't put names on, you know. Um, although, I will tell you that I do have plenty of clients that go around and put sticky notes with names. I was going to say, I hear that all the <laughs> so, time, but that, that's not, not going to hold up. Yes. <laughs> if, if there's a dispute between children because they want that special piece of personal property, then um, that would be going through the court system. <laughs> yeah, you see that in the movies all the time. That's right. Um, so there's named beneficiaries that will avoid probate on those assets. Then you've got the second way uh, to avoid probate, which is called joint ownership. So you can add other people's names to your assets, like on a joint bank account, a CD. Um, you know, you could actually put a joint person on the deed to your house as well. What I say is that doesn't actually avoid probate. That delays probate. And the reason I say it delays it is because when the joint owner dies, it avoids probate for that person, but now you're an individual owner again. And so when you die, unless you change the nature of that asset, it will then go through probate at your death. But that's not even the biggest risk. The risk is that for us wanting to avoid lawyers, us wanting to avoid probate in the court system, we add somebody else's name to our assets for convenience and cost, but then that person gets sued your asset is now subject to their lawsuit. I was wondering if someone is a joint account holder, they have con they can control things in that account while you're still alive. And that's another aspect is they can come and just clean it out. Right. And while 
you know, my child would never do that. No, never. A lot of people's do. Right, right. And it's not always malicious. It's, I'm having a hard time. I need to borrow it, and I plan to put it back, except that their hard time never ends. It never ends, um, especially if they've been borrowing from you before you even added them to your account. Um, so there's that risk. There's also the risk that if that person who is on your account for convenience gets divorced, that account is subject to their divorce. Um, and so there's just too many liabilities to adding a joint owner to your account that we rarely recommend that as the way to avoid probate. The real solid way to avoid probate is to have that living trust. Right. A living trust is a trust that you put in place while you're alive. And the trust itself is just a combination of papers with text that outline what your desires are. Um, and then that trust doesn't do you any good unless you retitle your assets into the trust while you're alive. Um, I can't tell you the number of people who have trust that have never been what we call funded, which means their assets have not actually been retitled in the name of the trust. And you say to them, why is your trust not funded? Well, I don't know. My lawyer didn't tell me anything about that because the lawyer just wanted to sell the trust and didn't want to actually help the client. And so it's very important that when somebody's putting an estate plan in place, A, we find out what their goals are, mm -hmm. we match it with the plan we create, and then we make sure that that plan is implemented. And so if we're going to go through the process of having a trust, then we want to make sure that the assets are in there. As an example, if you have a bank account, you would take the trust to your bank. You'd say, this is my trust. I want to retitle the bank account in the name of my trust. So instead of it saying Victoria Collier's account, it's going to say Victoria Collier as trustee of my trust account. And many people don't want to use trust because they think they're complicated. They think they're actually not going to have access to their own resources. But the typical trust that's used for a probate avoidance is called a revocable living trust. I personally set up my own trust. I'm the trustee, which means I have all control over everything in there. I'm the beneficiary while I'm alive, which means I have total access to everything in there, just like I did before. Um, and I get to decide where it goes when I die, just like my will would. And so nothing has changed other than the title on the trust. And if people want to use the excuse, it's complicated, I would ask them, when you got married, I asked the women this more than the men, <laughs> did you change your last name? Because you had to do all the same things when you changed your last name, mm -hmm. except you actually had to change your social security card and your driver's license. You don't have to do that when you get a trust. You just change the name on your accounts. I got you. Well, want to remind everybody, this is Senior Salute Radio. And we're talking with Victoria Collier. It's probably a good time to say, hey, if you ever have any questions about any of this type of stuff, reach out to Victoria Collier because she obviously has all the answers. And as we've talked through the first part of the show, Victoria, it's all garnered towards avoiding the, the probate process at all costs. There's never a time you want to be involved in the probate process, correct? Or would I be wrong there? Um, you're actually wrong. There. Okay. Um, and You're not the first person to tell me that, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, there's some actual advantages of going through really? the probate process. Yes. I had one client who has um, three children. He's single himself, and he has kind of a complicated estate. And I said, don't you want to avoid probate? We could do that, 
Because I will tell you that here in the state of Georgia, probate itself is not complicated. It's what assets do you own and who are your family members and where do you own your assets? Um, because if you own assets like houses in multiple states, you have to do probate in every state and that's expensive and that can certainly delay things. Um, if you've got family all over the place and they don't get along, that's not going to go well either. Um, and this particular person had like investments all over the place, some with brokers, some without. It's a nightmare, I can tell you that. Um, so I said, don't you want to avoid probate and just get this all taken right. care of ahead of, of time? He's like, no, I want my children to have to have that court oversight. That was important to him, that someone other than each other was going to have that oversight. But there's a cost involved, is there not? Of course, and he was willing to pay the cost for that, and that's okay. But where going through probate actually is a true benefit is when someone owns a house, okay? So let's say, Mike, you own a house, okay? And let's say your house has... Twelve thousand dollars of a year in taxes because you live in the city of Decatur. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that's not unrealistic in the city of Decatur, um, and that's what it is per year. And then you own that house, and you're a male. Let's say you're older than your spouse, um, and so boy, and you know me well. So far, you're dead <laughs> on with everything. Yeah, and let's say that genetically in your family, y'all just don't live long. So it's probable that you might die before your wife. Okay. So the house can be in your name, let's mm -hmm. say, and then when you die, if we go through the probate process, your spouse could actually file what's called a petition for years support, which means that there's certain advantages. A, she gets all of the assets and all your creditors go away other than a mortgage on the house, of course. I like that. But like if you had credit cards that you racked up, she would not be responsible for those, and your estate is protected. But also, she can um, avoid one year of property tax. So that's like a $12,000 saving on the example we just gave um, that would be very beneficial. And you can't do that if you avoid probate. So that's part of assessing the client's situation when someone says, I want to avoid probate. And I'm like, why? Well, it's hard and it's complicated. And I'll be like, but you've got a lot of taxes on your right. house that we could avoid completely. Um, and so it may or may not make sense. Well, how much is it to go through probate? Well, this is the range and this is how much you'd be saving even after taking out the legal fees, for example. Is that worth it or not? But just to assume we want to avoid it can be a mistake. To assume we don't want to avoid it can be a mistake. And that's why everybody has to be carefully analyzed. Um, but there are some people, like uh, many of my clients are senior citizens, their taxes are only like 300 a year. Mm -hmm. I would want to avoid probate on that. Right, <laughs> you know? And just keep paying that tax. Right. <laughs> you know? so. Well, everybody's different. And, and one size doesn't fit all. But uh, do you have an example of maybe somebody that uh, you worked with that did go through probate and, and want to share that, that story? Well, I've got um, the two examples I'd like to share are the examples that you want to avoid. And one I will never forget. And um, I've been practicing for 16 years now. And this was a client I had at least 10 years ago. Um, and the situation was it was a married couple in their 80s. And they had been married for 35 plus years. And 
the woman had been married before and she had three children from a prior marriage and her husband had died and when he died the previous husband had died she got the house by virtue of however they held it at the time but mm -hmm. they didn't go through probate okay didn't have a will I'm guessing it was probably petition for your support or maybe both their names were on their joint I don't know I didn't know them 50 years ago but what I do know is they had a simple process and everything went to the spouse years later now she's married to this other man for over 30 years they are in their 80s they have like no money other than the house which was on a nice piece of property up in the Athens area and he hired us to help him get Medicaid for his wife who was in a nursing home and um, so the sweetest part of the story is that he was visiting her on their anniversary and the bad part of the story part of it is that one of her sons goes to the nursing home and beats him up in front of his wife um, and then she died two days later and from somebody who used to work in a nursing home and care for the elderly that just breaks my heart for her that that's one of the last memories that she has um, but for him he's in his 80s and his wife dies and she owned the house she did not have a will and so she assumed it would go to her husband because that's what happened with her it did not go to her husband one-third went to her husband the other two-thirds went to her horrible children and he had no money so they kicked him out of his house he had to go to another state where his son lived imagine being the son and having your life disrupted that way right. okay yeah. but his life disrupted too but he didn't have the money to fight to get his one-third of the value out of that house and so the other two-thirds however many has three children but um, they could just sit on it until he died and ultimately not legally they would have the other third but in in reality they've got the house right right, right. now it's going to be a legal nightmare later when they decide to sell the house um but nonetheless the point being she didn't have a will and it didn't go who she thought it should have gone to so that's one example the other example is that even with a will people who go through probate if they have securities like investments like with you know any investment house um that i don't want to promote or anything here <laughs> uh, but you know Not the unless big they names. want to sponsor the show <laughs> that's right that's right then that's another story <laughs> but you know the big names and stuff like that when you go through probate you get what's called letters of testamentary or letters of administration um, if you have a will it's called letters of testamentary so even when you've done everything right um, now you've got this letters of testamentary you have the authority to pay the debts and pay the beneficiaries or the heirs but you can't pay anybody for at least six months okay because you got to wait to see if all the debts have come in well when you have investments and securities the investment houses who hold your money they require you to get an updated certified letter of testamentary every six months so as long as that estate is open you've got to go back to the courthouse and get another letter saying yes I'm still the executor or yes I'm still the administrator that is not only a pain but it is also a cost because those letters cost money mm -hmm. it's not a substantial amount 
But nonetheless, it's costs that could be avoided. Right. You don't have to do that when you have a trust and avoid probate because your trustee is your trustee until the end of time. Um, so that's just another example. All right. Well, Victoria, obviously the show has been about the, the probate process and, and ways to avoid it. Any closing remarks about that as we start to wrap things up? I would say don't make presumptions based on what you're hearing at your garden club or your cigar club. You know, really talk to an expert that is in this field um, so that they can analyze and help you make an educated decision which route you should go on the setting up of your plan and then how that's going to play out later when you pass away. Um, everybody's situation is different. So your best friend on the golf course doesn't have the same life you have. Right. You have the same moment on the golf course, but not the same life. And so your estate plan may look very different. I would also caution against um, using general practitioner lawyers um, that do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, because the laws change so much um, and that we can't just all keep, keep, knowledge of every update unless it's in our actual specialty area of practice those it, would be my words it's like you don't want your general practitioner doctor probably doing your open heart surgery exactly you would want an expert doing the surgery exactly it's the exact same you can use that analogy on your next speaking engagement by the way if you'd like to <laughs> thank you i would also say that if you have somebody doing an estate plan use somebody who actually does probate um because it's like knowing both sides you know, if you only have someone who can draft, but they never see the consequence of their drafting later, then they never get better at their drafting. You know, I can't say that my drafting has always been perfect, but because I'm on the other side of it, I see where we have failed and how we need to correct that. And so we're always getting better. And you want to use somebody who can acknowledge they don't know everything like you said I did earlier today. I don't. Um, and I hope I never know everything because I always want to be learning and right. getting better for my clients. Absolutely. Well, for those that would like to reach out and talk to you about, uh, you know, avoiding uh, the probate process, where can they get more information and how can they reach out to you? Well, they can learn a lot more about the different types of law that focus on the second half of life at our website at www.elderlawgeorgia.com. Dot com and Georgia is spelled out so that's elderlawgeorgia.com and they certainly can call us directly if they know they want a consultation and they're ready um, our phone number is 470-235-7848 that's 470-235-7848 and Victoria we want to remind everybody that you've been listening to Senior Salute which is a bi-monthly show bringing timely information for leading age boomers and it's available 24-7 online by going to businessradiox.com select the Gwinnett Studio and then click on Senior Salute and you'll see not only this episode but all our previous episodes as well well thank you Mike and I want to thank our listeners we salute you 